Hello, and welcome to The Lucy Lou Show, the fueling station for your mind, business, and life. And now, here's your host, Lucy Liu. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Thank you for tuning in to another episode on The Lucy Liu Show. I'm your host, Lucy Liu. This episode is brought to you by The Extraordinary Goal Setting Guide, which is my newest freebie on my website, Lucy Liu Coaching. Be sure to grab it. And if you are already on my list, you should have got a newsletter with the direct download link to that guide. Okay, so today on the show, I've invited someone amazing, someone who I've just loved and had the pleasure of working with in person. As a short Asian girl, I never imagined myself on a runway. But back in March this year, I attended a conference called Alt Summit. And I was so honored to be part of this amazing runway show led by Amanda Perna. And I absolutely fell in love with Amanda's vibe. Thank you, Amanda, for allowing me to model for your beautiful brand, the House of Perna, and the opportunity to test my courage and break through my own self-doubts. So Amanda Perna is a wife, a mom, a fashion expert, designer, illustrator, author, and speaker. She believes that we are stronger together and life is too short not to follow your dreams. Although she had her dream job after college graduation working for Calvin Klein, she wanted more. Eventually, she started her own business and was featured on the hit TV show Project Runway with her clothing brand, The House of Perna. We had a fun conversation about quitting her dream job to build her dream business. Let's hear it. Thank you so much for being here, Amanda. I am so excited to be here with you. Yay. So let's go (laughs) back in times, all the way back to your early years. What were some of your upbringing beliefs? So I spent a lot of time growing up with my grandfather. Um, My parents both worked and my grandfather was retired and he was a painter. So a lot of my childhood was spent on being creative and celebrating creativity with him. Although on the other side, I was always quote unquote smart. So smart kids kids, you know, become doctors and lawyers and and those kind of things. And especially in an Italian family, even more so. So it was always, I wanted to be an actor. And my family was like, you want to do what now? No. And so I was like, okay, well, then I guess I really want to help people. So I'm going to do psychology. And my grandmother died of Alzheimer's. And, it, and she was like a driving force in my life. So I wanted to save everybody who was struggling and help to save people. So I That's where I thought I was going to go. So you did end up majoring in psychology in college, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I entered college as a psych major. When I went to the University of Alabama, they were going head to head in winning awards with Harvard, believe it or not, their honors program. And, And they did a lot of different things with undergrad research in psychology. And my plan was I was going to get all this undergrad research under my belt. And then I was going to um, go to grad school. I really wanted to go to Stanford because they had the best social 
psychology program in the country at that time. I don't know now because I'm so out of that world. But so that was that was my mission. And I took a sewing class as an elective. One of the great things of being in honors was we got dibs on classes. So we got to sign up before anybody else signed up. So I saw a sewing class and I was like, oh my God, I love to sew. I want to learn how to do it right. Because I'd always made like my own crazy clothes and stuff for myself, but didn't know what I was doing. So I signed up and yeah, and I fell madly in love. And it turned out it was a majors only class. And I found that out during midterms. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? I can't give this up. So I actually went for two separate degrees. Nothing crossed over. They were two separate colleges. Everything was different. So I was taking like double the course load of everybody else in order to be able to follow my dream of fashion and what the plan was of doing psychology and having a quote unquote real job lined up for me, you know, after I graduated. But yeah, no, fashion is where I belong. I'm too sensitive to be a psychiatrist. I would go home and cry because I felt so bad. And that's like not what you want in a doctor, someone who's crying for you. That's really not appropriate. I was interning at Calvin Klein and I was offered a job before I had graduated as in 2008 when the retail world was a mess and our company had been bought out and So I was offered a job and I went to my parents and I said, you wanted me to go to school to get an education, to get a job. And well, I did that. So, and how can you argue with that? That was actual logic. There was facts and, (laughs) and things lined up and plans made. Um, So it, yeah, I wound up, they were ultimately okay with it. Not that I really gave them that much of a choice because I was doing it, but yeah, they wound up supporting it. And here we are. You had your dream job at CK, but you still started your own company. So in 2012, you went against the advice of everyone you knew and took a leap of faith and quit your job to launch the House of Perna. So tell us what kind of mindset work did you need to do on yourself in order to make this happen because everyone was against you? I mean, it wasn't easy. I I did. I loved my job. I worked with literally one of the best teams in the whole world. I worked for the dress division of Calvin. And at the time, we were legitimately one of the best dress businesses in the entire world. And I'd venture to guess they still probably are. But it was one of those things where I learned so much. I loved what I was doing. But I realized I wasn't really a corporate person where I just could follow the instructions that were provided. I wanted to do things a little differently. And especially as a designer, when you're designing for a brand, especially a well-known, very established brand, you have to follow their guidelines. You have to make it feel like Calvin. I obviously am a little bit more whimsical and a little crazier than Calvin Klein. So for me, it was more about letting my creativity shine and exploring that, I think. I am also very much an overachiever. So for me, it was one job. I had more time. What else can I do with my time? So I had started making things just for fun um, and trying to sell them here and there on Etsy and, you know, different places. And um, people liked it. And I said to my parents, once again, these poor people, (laughs) the things they've been dragged through. I said, well, you know, your 401k and all of these investments you make, you're banking on somebody else doing the right thing, somebody you don't know. I said, but for me, if I invest in myself, I have a little bit of control. And they thought it was nuts for sure. Once again, (laughs) here I was with this great job and everything I wanted 
that I said I wanted. I said I wanted when I graduated to work for a huge fashion brand and be able to, you know, really learn from the best. And I did. And and then I, like I tend to do, turned it upside down and decided to do my own thing. And early on, I did freelance jobs and I did all kinds of different things to be able to make sure I had money coming in while trying to build this. But yeah, it was, I don't know. I think also when maybe it's when you're in your twenties and like you, you just feel like you know everything and you, it was just me. I mean, I had my now husband was my boyfriend at the time, but I just had to worry about myself. So I think I had a little bit more of that freedom to just be like, eh, I'm going to do it. I can eat ramen noodles or whatever and bagels every day and figure it out. So I, I took that leap of faith. And I mean, it wasn't easy when everyone around you is telling you, no, no, doesn't make sense. And especially people whose opinions you trust and people who you really value. It is hard. But I think when you feel something so deeply and you know that this is something that you need to do for you and you can figure out how to, how can you not at least try and see and, and take that leap of faith in yourself? Mm. And I think you have a beautiful story behind why you started your brand and named your brand the House of Perna instead of using your name, Amanda Perna. So tell us your why. So when I was thinking about naming my brand and well, just step back really quick. I had started my first brand when I was 19. Um, it was called Couture Chaos and it failed miserably because I had no idea what I was doing. So, and that name, I just wanted something obscure and different and describing a product. But when I started this new brand, I knew this was a brand I wanted to keep around forever. I wanted this to be essentially my legacy as a creative. And when I was in college, I had an incredible group of friends and they loved all my crazy weird stuff I was always doing. <laughs> so they were always at my house and they were doing, they'd come along with me on all of these crazy things that I, I got myself into. And they would jokingly call themselves the House of Perna. So when I was thinking about names and I tossed around all these names and people kept saying, oh no, make it your name. Think about all the big designers, it's always their name. But I knew for me, it wasn't just me. It was so much bigger than me. There's so many people involved to make it happen that I didn't feel like for me, it was really just about me. So I wanted to make it essentially a whole a whole family because that's what my business really is. And I'm nothing against people, of course, who, who do name it after themselves. But I just thought for me, it was more impactful to celebrate the truth behind my brand, which was all of these incredible people who helped me do the things. And as we've grown, as we've brought people onto our team, it still continues to be a family and we still are very much, it's more than just me. And because of this deep rooted a belief and underlying why, has it helped you when things get difficult? Absolutely. Because I think especially even like right now going through this pandemic, if it had just been about me, I maybe would have been like, oh my gosh, retail is shut down. No one's buying anything. I'm just going to close down my business because that would have been the easy answer, right? It would have been easy to just be like, oh, you know, I don't want to keep investing money. I'm just going to take all of my money out and save it and think about, you know, my future. But I really thought more about, okay, well, I have a team of people who are relying on me. I have all these people who believe in me and I now need to step up and take care of them like they've taken care of me and my business and pivot and find a way to do so. Because at the end of the day, that's what this really is about. So it gave me a even stronger connection to trying to push through even when it was the hardest time probably in my life period to do so. They gave me that strength. 
Absolutely. I think knowing your why is so important, and you can even go into a deeper level. Like, continue to ask yourself why. Okay, I'm pivoting, but why? Right? There's always a deeper reason that's going to keep you going. And you are so amazing for pivoting and making face masks and donating face masks. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you. <laughs> it, and you know, it was. One of those things where, honestly, I I believe you should always take a minute to feel your emotion, especially as a business owner. Not that you should always be emotion driven, but you should let it sit for a second. So I do what I refer to as I give myself my minute to let it sink and then make a decision. And this all truly came from really watching the news, seeing nurses sewing for themselves feeling compelled to do something on a personal level to help people, and then taking another step back once people started asking to buy them and realizing this is now an opportunity to help more people and also help the people who have been loyal to me during the time of my business. Mm, Amazing. And you appeared on the hit TV series Project Runway. Did that publicity pivot your business? It did. I think, I mean, I didn't win. I wish I had won, as you always do when you're in a show like that. But it was one of those things where in any situation, there's always a silver lining. There's always a way to find an opportunity in that. So I was able to take that and open more doors because of that opportunity. So yes, I did not win like I wish I had and got that $100,000 and all those things that come along with that. But one of our sponsors that season was Hallmark and Hallmark liked me and I wound up getting a deal with them after after the show and our contracts and everything had expired to do a group of cards. And no, I, I don't think I would have had that opportunity had I not been on the show. And you always have a million more doors in front of you than you realize if you just get creative and start to look. But I do think that that show gave me validation to a lot of people. And especially with the public, I think more people are impressed with the fact that I was on Project Runway than the fact that I worked for Calvin Klein. (laughs) But the, you know, industry-wise, it tends to be like, you know, they're looking at my resume and Project Runway, they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. But um, when you're talking to anybody else, customers and things, they want to talk about Project Runway. They don't really care where I worked. (laughs) (laughs) Did you increase your prices on your products after that publicity? No, I want to say, oh gosh, it's been so long now. What were our prices on anything? We, so when I went on the last time, it was right when I was fully launching my brand. So I had dabbled in it and done a lot of custom and made little things here and there, but didn't really have a ready to wear collection, which was part of the whole reason I did want to go back on was to really be able to get that push. And so people could see the brand and see that I existed. I don't think the prices were raised at all. I think the assortment had grown more than the prices. Mm -hmm. So did you ever have, this is for the ladies who just started their business and have a self-worth issue to place a higher ticket on their prices. Did you ever have that internal struggle to setting a higher price where someone else could be charging like just maybe 10% of your price? 
still struggle with that, honestly. I think that's kind of a thing, especially I think for women, we all kind of do struggle with that a lot of times um, because we're taught, you know, certain things society-wise of being modest and being, you know, um, all of these things. And it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, am I charging too much? Um, Am I really worth that? Oh, but you know, this person had, they're charging that, but you know, they've been doing it so much longer and you find all these reasons to talk yourself out of why you're worth it. Still guilty of this. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not because I'm very much all the time. I get lectures from people on my team. Just say the price. I'm like, I'll give you a discount. You really like it. And they're like, no, they're like, we all got to eat here. (laughs) But I think really what you have to do is Think about what you're offering. Think about what your differentiator is. Think about who your target customer is. Even right now in selling masks, we're selling ours for $25. You can find them for $5. But the reason why we're charging what we're charging is A, they're made in America and I want to make sure my whole team can go home and eat and pay their bills and live their life. B, we're donating another one. So with every mask purchase, it's actually two made. And C, We have a lot of things in our masks that other people aren't using. We have a filter layer. We have two things. So you have to break down your, what you're charging on your why. If there's a reason that correlates with the price you're charging, then you should never feel guilty. If it's, you're like, oh, well, I just, I know I'm worth it. Well, why are you worth it? Maybe you are. And sometimes maybe you aren't, you know, and I think that all just comes down with what are the facts and how do you show people once you decide on this price that you are worth it. Because I know there's a lot of ladies out there listening who are charging a fraction of what they should be or could be charging. And it's because you just don't know why you could be charging more. But the second you figure out that why, it becomes a lot easier. I don't flinch at my prices. Yes, some people are going to, I had one lady call it, yell at us that, oh, well, I I can find masks for a fraction of the price. And we responded back to her, okay, well, we hope you do find what you're looking for and we hope you really love what you find. And it's nothing against us. It's what she is looking for. And that's okay. And then there's thousands of people who understand and accept why why we're selling what we're selling. And they say, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. So those are our customers. And you have to focus on the people who are your customers Because there's a million other people doing what you're doing, no matter what you're doing. Why should they come to you? And why is this price worth it? Mm, Because we all have that little voice, inner voice, those limiting beliefs that tell you lies. And for sure, they're going to creep in because we're human beings, right? So when you do have those kind of moments, what do you do to push forward? Um... I, like I said earlier, I, I take a minute and I try to figure out where is this coming from? Is this fact-based? Is this fear-based? What, like, what is the reason why I'm thinking this way? And sometimes it is a valid thought and you're like, okay, well, maybe I am, maybe this is a little high. Maybe I could do it for a little less because of A, B, and C. And other times you think, no, absolutely not. This is the price that it needs to be and this is why. And maybe it's your best friend or your mom or your dad or your whoever that are saying, oh no, 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 this person's doing this for half of what you are, but why is yours worth that? But I think it's always worth anytime you hear something like in your head things to identify why you're hearing it. Because like anything, if you don't if you don't look at what the cause of this is, then you can never find a solution. So if you know, it's just, nope, here she goes again. That bad Amanda in my head is telling me to make it less money because this person once told me that I'm worth blank. No, shut it down and move on. 
But if it is something that is based on facts and numbers and statistics and whatever, then maybe it's worth looking at and then making that decision. What do you wish you knew when you first started your business? I wish that I knew to trust my gut. I wish that I knew that you really truly can do anything. You just need to figure out how. And I wish that I knew there was a customer out there for me. Early on in my career, I was told I was too colorful, I was too bold, I was too wild, I was too bright, I was too much of a maximalist. Minimalism was the big thing then. Who's buying this? This is crazy. So for a very long time, I toned down myself. I toned down what I was making. I toned down everything about me because somebody else thought I was too much. And the moment that I realized, no, I am me, that is my superpower, and there's no one like me out there, was the moment that my business and my life began to flourish. I was being authentic. And I know that's one of those words that people feel like are overused, but it's not. Being authentic is the only thing you can be. People are going to love you or hate you, and that has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with them. But at least give them the opportunity to love the real you instead of the one you think you should be. Because I'm not somebody who's going to make a basic gray dress. It's not, it's not me. It's not authentic to me. And you know what? If you're looking for a basic gray dress, you're probably not buying it from me. And that's okay because there's a lot of people out there that will buy the hot pink dress. You just need to get in front of her or him. I love that so much. And that goes so far, whether you're product-based, whether you're service-based, there are a million people doing the same thing. There are tons of lawyers. There are tons of coaches. Whatever you're doing, there's someone else doing it, Mm -hmm. but people are out there for you. There are going to be people who just love you. So you just need to find those people and not worry about the rest. Yes. And I think by the people, myself included, when you try to please everyone, you wind up pleasing no one. Exactly. Is there a favorite quote that you go by? Ooh, I really like the quote, go confidently in the direction of your dreams, live the life you've imagined. It's thorough. And it just, I think it describes how I feel about life. It's if you know what you want and you go for it, you'll be able to have the opportunity to live the the life and live out your dream. If you stay fear-driven and curl up in a ball and think you can't do it, no, you're never going to do it because you're not even trying. But if you at least give yourself that shot, maybe it doesn't work out, but maybe it does. And then you're able to have actually been able to do anything and everything that you dream of. Where can our listeners connect with you online? So if you would like to talk to me directly, if you follow me on Instagram at the Amanda Parna, you will talk directly to me. If you would like to see our products or talk to my team and I, it's at the House of Perna and at Neon Bohemians on Instagram. And of course, you can go to our websites, which are just those same names. Yay. And I'll be sure to include those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. To all the beautiful souls listening, thank you for joining me on this episode of The Lucy Lou Show. When I'm not podcasting, I am coaching high achieving women in life transitions, getting unstuck, kissing overwhelmed goodbye, and living a more joyful and fulfilled life through strategic goal setting and mindset transformation. It would mean the world to me if you subscribe, rate, or share this with a friend. And don't forget to join me for the next episode. Remember, there is always a way and more blessings are coming your way. For free resources and show notes, head over to lucylucoaching.com. 